Say, I have a spirit of expectation. Father, I thank you for this opportunity now to communicate what you have given me. I decrease that you would increase in, with, and through me. You speak through my vocal cords and think through my mind and operate through my limbs. That you, I declare that your word will go forth unhindered and unchecked by any satanic or demonic force. It will accomplish those things that it's sent out to do. It will prosper in every heart in which it is sown. Today, we grow in the area of relationships. We're linking up one with another. We're going to be gracious and forgiving and kind. We're here to build each other up, and we will never tear each other down. We pray this by faith in Jesus' name. And we all said amen Amen. and amen. Come on, give God some praise. Hallelujah. Hey, before you sit down, let's give God some praise for apostles Tony and Cynthia Brazelton in their absence. Mom and dad, if you're watching, we love you. We want you to know that. We know you know that. But we want you to know we love you. We, we thank God for you. We appreciate, appreciate you. It does matter where you go to church. Say amen to that. All right, give God some praise one more time. All right, you may be seated. All right, so we've been dealing with linking up. Say linking up. We've been dealing with linking up. And I do appreciate the fact that at Victory Christian Ministries International, we don't just receive a word from the pulpit that is haphazard, that is whimsical. We receive a prophetic word, and we get it through a prophetic voice, and it's always a word that is in season. Say in season. So at the beginning of this year, we heard a word that this would be a season for us of refreshing and restoring, right? That, that, and we're standing on this scripture all year long, Psalms 126 and verse 4. Uh, say, Lord, do it again. Lord, do it again for us. Restore us to the former glory. May streams of your refreshing flow over us until dry hearts are drenched again. So at the beginning of the, of the year, we declare that if there's any area of your life that was dry, that had dried up, this would be a season for the Lord to refresh you and restore you. If that's your testimony, come on, give God some praise all over the building. Hallelujah. All right. And so, and, and now in this season, we've been hearing this, this message, this voice that's coming from heaven as it relates to linking up. It is important for us to connect one with another. There are no lone rangers in the body of Christ. Man, that, listen, the devil wants you to be disconnected. The devil wants you to break fellowship. But God wants us to be connected. God wants us to build each other up. The Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed from out of your mouth, but only that which is good for the use of edifying that it may minister grace to one another. We minister to each other with words of grace. We build each other up. We support one another. We encourage one another. We got to be surrounded with people of like, precious faith. You need to be around somebody that when you need a prayer, you need a breakthrough, you can call somebody. You you got somebody to call. Or if you walk in here and you need something, you're going through something, that somebody is so sensitive to the Holy Spirit that they would be like, hey, come here, bro. What's going on? Oh, I'm good. No, you ain't good. I I see that you ain't good. Come on, what's going on? And then they hold your hand and then he start crying. Why not? Let me minister the power of God to you. We're here to link each other up. We're here to support one another. And say amen to that. All right, now we've been teaching on that. We've been ministering on that. We've been preaching on that. We've been laboring in that vein. But today, the Lord wants me to teach you something about your responsibility in linking up, right? And so so if we're going to link up, say, I have a responsibility. Let me get three men up here real quick. Three men. I don't care what your jersey is. Three men. All right, all right. Here we go. Here we go. We got the Bengals, the Bucks, and the Eagles. All right, all right, all right. So go ahead and stand up on the top of the stage. And uh, No, 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 just one. Just, uh, just Elder Reed. All right, my brother right here, you right here in the middle. 
All right, and Derek's down here. So watch this. So there's three people that you need in your life, or three roles that you need to fill in your life. I've, we've talked on this before. This is not new. Uh, but, but say this. Say, I need a Paul. I need a Barnabas. I need a Timothy. So for, so for me to have a fulfilling life, I have to have relationships. I, life is better with friends. Say amen to that. I got to have relationships. For me to have a fulfilling life, I need to connect with people. I need to have all of these roles filled in my life. And so for me to do that, now there's three levels in this particular area. I deal with five people you need in your life. In this case, I'm dealing with three. The first one is a Paul. Say a Paul. This is like a spiritual covering or a spiritual father or a mentor or a sponsor. This is somebody that's operating on a level that I aspire to attain someday. I'm not there yet, but I'm around them because they, they give me a picture of what right looks like. Sometimes when I'm around my Paul, Pastor Tony, Pastor Cynthia, when I'm around them, I feel like I need to pray more. You know what I'm saying? I, I feel like I, 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 I go around them. You need to be around somebody whose anointing on their life is so strong that you feel inadequate. Inadequate in a good way, meaning that I want to grow higher. Say amen to that. So you need a Paul in your life. You also need a Timothy. While you're looking up to somebody, you need somebody looking up to you. Say amen to that. Life is very rewarding when you can take the things that were poured into you and pour it into other people. When you can take the things that were poured into you and pour it into other people. Now you're paying it forward. You're giving it back. You're sowing it to the next generation. You got people that are looking up to you. You got people that are coming to you for wisdom, insight, revelation, knowledge, and understanding. And you're pouring into them. And it is so fulfilling. It is so rewarding when you're able to pour into somebody and you minister to them. Say amen to that. All right, all right. Now, but, but this is what I've learned. Yes, you need a Paul. Yes, you need a Timothy. But you also need a Barnabas. Say Barnabas. Barnabas. You need somebody on your level. You need somebody that you can identify with. You need somebody that you can talk to. You need somebody that can identify with you. You need somebody that, can, that knows what it's like for you to be facing the things that you're facing. That they, they have a relationship with you and you have a relationship with them and you can connect with them on the same level. If it were not for Barnabas, we wouldn't have the Apostle Paul. We have the Apostle Paul because of Barnabas. And Barnabas, his name means the son of constellation. There's an anointing on you to connect with friends on your level. Say amen to that. Now, but this is what I've learned. I've learned that while you have Pauls in your life, you have this tendency to be more gracious towards them because they're at another level. So even when they have a moment of humanity, you overlook it because that's your pastor, that's your spiritual father, you, are, you honor the anointing on their life, you're more gracious towards them. I've also learned that you're more gracious towards your Timothys because you realize that they're, they're not where, where you are right now, right? And so, so you see them and you're more gracious towards them because they represent you 20 years ago. They represent you 15 years ago. So when you see they make mistakes, you're like, okay, instead of being mad with them, you build them up and encourage them. Say, hey, son, I was there too, right? But for whatever reason, say for whatever reason. As a believer, we got to learn how to be more gracious to our Barnabases. It seems like we can show grace this way. It seems like we can show grace this way. But when somebody is your friend and they do something you don't like, you want to cut them jokers off. You don't want to extend to them the same grace. Why? Because because you put on them the requirements that you hold yourself accountable to. And so now you're, you're holding them accountable to your standard, and they may not even have your standard. 
So, so for us to, to link up one with another, we got to learn how to be more gracious. This is what the Lord said. So the message today is this. The title is this. Being forgiving and gracious. Say this. Say, I am forgiving and gracious. In the same way that God has been forgiving and gracious towards me, there is an expectation from the Word of God and the Holy Spirit that we would be forgiving and gracious towards other people, especially the Barnabases in our lives. And now, now we're going to learn that we do need discernment because not everybody needs to be in our life forever, but we got we to have discernment as it relates to that. But if you want to have friends, the Bible says you have to show yourself friendly. If you want to have friends, you got to be forgiving and you got to be gracious because people are not perfect, newsflash, you're not perfect. You know what I'm saying? And so, so you got you to gotta be gracious and you got to be forgiving if you want to have friends, if you want to link up. Say amen to that. Amen. amen. Thank you. God bless you. Give God some praise for them. All right. So now that I laid the foundation, I can start teaching. All right. Um, let's take a look at, there's a parable I want us to take a look at. And we're going to look at this parable. Uh, and, then, and then break it down. These are a few things that I've learned along the way. The reason why we need relationships, we need friends. Let me give you five quick things as I'm still setting this up. Number one, life is long. Say life is long. Listen, life, life is a marathon, not a sprint. So you're going to need people along the way to encourage you and to build you up. Number two, your calling is big. Say my calling is big. I have a big assignment. And if God has called you to something significant, then there were, the greater the assignment, the greater the attack. And so there's going to be attacks from the enemy against your assignment. What you got to do is connect with people that are going to support you. Number three, the devil is persistent. Say he's persistent. Man, that's a persistent joker. He's always coming, right? He doesn't stop. And so because he's coming and because he's coming to attack the assignment, number four, you will need encouragement. Say, I need it. You need people around you that are going to build you up. And then lastly, number five, you need people of like, precious faith. That's why we need to link up with people. So let's take a look at this parable. Matthew chapter 18, beginning at verse 21. I'm going to read down to verse 35. This is what the Bible says, because this is all about connecting with people, loving each other, supporting each other. All right, so Peter said, now Peter is on Jesus' team. Say team. Peter is on Jesus' team. He's with Jesus every day for three and a half years, and this is what he said. Hey, Jesus, can I talk to you for a minute? Yeah, what's up, Peter? Um, I know you're always talking about forgiveness and stuff, um, um, but how many times, um, I just want, like, clarification. Uh, um, like, because I forgave. You know, like, you talk, you, you're teaching about forgiveness, and I'm doing that forgiveness thing, but then, you know, people keep doing the same thing. So how, how many times... Should I forgive? And then he throws a number out there, like a crazy number, right? And so, so he's like, Monty, he's like, uh, 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 like, like seven? <laughs> like, I mean, like, should I have to forgive like seven? Like, that's, that's like a lot, you know what I'm saying? Like seven? And then Jesus says, no, Peter, come here, son. Not seven, seven times. How about 70 times seven? Now, he wasn't saying 490. He wasn't saying write them down so that when they get to 491, you can cross them off. That's, that's not what he was saying. That's not what he was saying. He said, no, 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 no. He said, no, okay. Hey, Peter, all right, fine. Because you did that, let me tell you a story. Say, let me tell you a story. All right, let me tell you a story. So there was these two guys. They owed money to the same banker. And the banker uh, came, and the banker said, you know what? I want to settle accounts. And so one day he said, hey, he told his staff, I want to settle accounts. They start calling people in. And as he's looking at the people that owe him money, he was like, oh, snap. 
This dude right here owes me a billion dollars. A billion with a B, a billion dollars. So he's like, my God, that's a lot of money. So he calls the guy and he says, hey, uh, 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 I need you to pay the money. He said, well, I don't have the money. He said, I don't have the money. So he says, well, this is what we're going to do. Since you don't have the money, then, then you going to be a slave and your wife going to be a slave and your children going to be a slave. Matter of fact, I might sell you on the, on the chopping block and see how much money I get. And I'm going to take, because you took my billion dollars and bought stuff, I'm going to take all your assets and then I'm going to sell all your assets and I'm going to try to recoup my money. This is what Jesus is telling the story. And the guy falls down on his knees and falls down on his face and falls down at the guy's feet and says, Master, I can't pay it. I can't pay it. Please have mercy on me. And the banker said, I tell you what. I'm going to forgive your debt. I'm going to give you supernatural debt cancellation. He said, fine, you can't pay it. I'm going to forgive your debt. Right? He forgives it. And so the guy walks away. And then the, the, the Bible says no sooner did he walk away that he ran into somebody who owed him $20,000. Now, now somebody, because you know church folk are nosy. Somebody from the church saw this. Because you know church, you know how they are. So, so, so somebody from the church was like, oh, snap, let's see what he's going to do now. So he goes up to the guy who owes him $20,000, slams him up, up against the wall. He's from Philly. He puts his arm on his neck, starts choking him, and says, give me my $20,000. And he said, well, I don't have it. He falls down on his knees, falls down on his face. Oh, please have mercy on me. Oh, please have mercy on me. Same thing he did. But this guy says, No. You're going to be thrown in jail, and I'm going to keep you in the jail until you pay me my money back. But since church folk are nosy, somebody from the church saw it and went back and told the king. Let me tell you what, you know what, what happened? Told the king. So the king said, hey, bring the guy back. So you bring the guy back. It's all in the Bible. And so he brings the guy back. He comes back. He said, what's up? He said, I heard, why would you do that? Like, I forgave you. You're supposed to, what in the world? I forgave you of a billion dollars, and here you are, this dude with $20,000. i tell you what I'm going to do. Instead of, instead of getting your wife and kids involved in this, I'm not even going to involve. I'm going to treat you the same way you've been treating other people. And so, so I'm going to treat, because you threw him in jail, I'm going to throw you in jail. Matter of fact, I'm going to throw you in jail and have you tormented until you pay the billion dollars back, which means he can't pay it back, which means he's going to be tormented forever. And then Jesus said, watch this, watch this. If you are forgiven from God, you're supposed to forgive your brothers and sisters because if you don't, in the same way, the same way you treat other people, God says, I'm going to treat you. He says, if you have been forgiven, you're supposed to forgive. And if you've been forgiven of much, you're, I'm telling you, you got to have this attitude of gratitude and forgiveness. Just like God forgave me and God is gracious towards me, I'm supposed to forgive others and be gracious towards others. Say amen to that. Now, now, this is one of those messages that while I'm going through these things, you may not say it out loud. You may not say it out loud. But on the inside, there's going to be some ouch and amen, right? You know what I'm saying? There's going to be some ouch and amen going on today. Uh, uh, because there's some people that have to let some stuff go. I told you before this story, I'm about to get into 10 life lessons on forgiveness. But I remember, in, I'm not going to say who it was. In this church, I remember I was right here praying for somebody at the altar and say, hey, if you're holding a grudge against somebody, if you have bitterness or unforgiveness, come up 
here. Person came up here. It's like, I just need to let my father go. I've been holding on to all of this. All right, well, let's pray. And the power got here, bam, you know, released and all of that. Got up. I said, pick her up. Got up and said, all right, now you need to call your father and tell him that you love him and tell him that you forgive him. And she was like, my father died like five years ago. How in the world are you holding on to stuff and people ain't even around? I'm talking about people come to church Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, Tuesday night after Tuesday night, holding on to bitterness and malice and unforgiveness, but not, not no more. Not no more. Say, say this. Say, I am, I am forgiving, forgiving and, gracious. and gracious. I am forgiving and gracious. Oh, I'm going to be forgiving and I'm going to be gracious. So let me give you 10 life lessons on forgiveness from this parable from other scriptures. Y'all ready? I'm going to give you 10. We have this on YouTube so you don't have to write them all down. All right? All right, but here we go. Number one, connecting with people may be difficult, but it is the will of God. Connecting with people, linking up what we're teaching, it may be difficult. You know why? Because people are messy. Let me, let me help you out. People are messy. All right, so, so people, people are people, and sometimes people are messy, but it's still the will of God that you connect. God wants you to connect with people. Peter acknowledged that sometimes people are difficult to deal with. Peter was like, hey, how many times I got to forgive, Jesus? Is it seven? And Jesus, what was he saying? He was saying there's some people that I forgive, and they keep doing the same thing, and it's getting on my nerves. And Jesus, can I, I want you to give me a limit. Can you help me out? Can you put a limit on forgiveness. And Jesus was like, God didn't put a limit on his forgiveness towards you. How many times did you say, God, this the last time? And you still did it? So in the same way, the way God treats you, you're supposed to treat other people. So you have to forgive. Say this, say, I have to forgive. I need to treat others the way that God treats me. There's no limit on what God does towards me in the area of forgiveness and grace and mercy and blessing. So I'm supposed to treat others the same way. Say, I am forgiving and gracious. Number two, God's forgiveness is grace-based, not performance-based. Right? So, so what we do as humans is we say, okay, fine. You want to come back into my life? Here's these seven things that you got to do. Matter of fact, number four has an A, a B, and a C. You know what I'm saying? And so, so now it's like, it's like, yeah, yeah. If you do these things, I think about it. And so, so now what you're doing is you are putting your forgiveness on a, on a performance-based system. And God is saying, I don't bless you that way. I don't treat with you that way. God's God's goodness is grace-based. It's not performance-based. Say this. Say, God blesses me because God is good. God doesn't bless you because you're good because you're not. Get over yourself. God blesses you because God is good, because God is a good God. So the same way that God's forgiveness is immeasurable, the same way that God's forgiveness is gracious, it is grace-based, it is beyond human comprehension, we're supposed to treat people the same way. The text says that the king forgave the guy of a billion dollars. 
And, when, and all the guy did was beg for mercy. He didn't work for it. He didn't show him a financial statement. He didn't come up with a plan on how he was going to pay him back. He didn't show him anything. He just looked at him and says, I'm going to have mercy on him. And that's how we're supposed to treat other people. Without them having to give us 17 things they have to do right, listen, God doesn't treat us that way. If you are going to forgive, you got to forgive out of your own heart. If you're going to link up with people, you got to be gracious towards people because people are imperfect. People have issues. People People have flaws. And so, so you got to love people the way that they are and, and love the hell right out of them. Say amen to that. Yeah. I wasn't cursing. All right. Forgiveness is not based on merit. It is based on love. It is based on grace. The man in the parable did nothing to earn it. The king just forgave him of a billion dollar debt. And this forgiveness came from the heart of the king. Say this. Say forgiveness comes out of my heart. Forgiveness is not coming because they call me and they cried and they said, I'm sorry. And then, no, if I'm going to forgive, it needs to come out of my heart. Forgiveness is coming out of my heart. Forgiveness is coming from the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness is coming from the Word of God teaching me to be, watch this, watch this. Uh-oh, don't we say it every week? As Jesus is, so are we in this world. You can't keep saying that holding on to grudges. You can't keep saying that if there's somebody in the room right now that you can see that you have an issue with. But as Jesus is, hallelujah. No, no, no. If you like Jesus, you got to love like Jesus. How does Jesus love? Unconditional. Say amen to that. On, on, um, on, on Tuesday, Isabella taught on love, uh, on the power of love, right, and how, how what you don't want, you need the power of love to link up. And she said, if you don't have love, you're going to be the missing link. Say this, say, I will not be the missing link. We got to be here to support one another. We got to link up with one another. There's something on you that I need. There's something on me that you need. And together, we are the church. Say, I am forgiving and gracious. Number three. There is a human tendency to withhold forgiveness and withhold grace. Now, this is where people say, I remember I was in this church and one of my fellow preachers used to say, Reverend, when I was Reverend Pena, he would say, Reverend, some parts of me ain't saved. <laughs> and so, so, in other words, he was saying he was making an excuse for carnality. You can't make an excuse for carnality. To be spiritually minded is life. To be carnally minded is death. So what you don't want to do is make an excuse for you holding on to grudges and talking about, well, you know, I ain't Jesus. I ain't Jesus. If, well, you know, Jesus would have forgave, but I ain't Jesus. God, no. I ain't Jesus. No. You're supposed to be like Jesus. Stop making excuses for your carnality. Stop making excuses just because you live in a flesh and blood body. No. The Holy Spirit is the standard. The Word of God is the standard. Jesus is the standard. And so, so despite being forgiven of much, humans in their flesh want to hold on to grudges. Humans in their flesh want to say stuff like, I forgive, but I won't forget because you had on that blue shirt that I can't stand. And it was a Tuesday afternoon, 3.27 p.m. You know what I'm saying? And they're holding on to, oh my God, let that stuff go. Say, let it go. 
God is not holding that stuff against you. I know that there's a human tendency to want to hold on to stuff, but you have to let it go. The servant's refusal to let it go for the guy who owed him $20,000 got him in trouble with the king. If you, if you refuse to let it go, you're going to have issues. I'm going to talk about blessing blockers here in a minute. What you don't want to do is, is cause yourself a, a cycle of, bless, of blocking your blessing and also a cycle of pain. Listen, if you don't release people, if you don't let them go, it causes a root of bitterness to grow in your heart, and then you could be saved and angry. You could be born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, and nasty because you got a root of bitterness in your heart. You ever met somebody that's just nasty? I mean, like in church. Now, in church, they'll run around the church, do three backflips, and then go over here to the mall and curse out the waitress. Because there's something in there they, got, they haven't let it go. For you to be healthy on the inside, you got to let it go. Say amen to that. Somebody just said, ouch, on that one. Lord have mercy. All right. It's a reminder that we have to let it go. We have to be forgiving. We have to be gracious. Number four, there are consequences to unforgiveness. It can block your blessing. What you don't want is a blessing blocker. What you don't, watch this. How many times have we talked about what God is doing in the season? How many times have we talked about the blessing? And now when we talk about the blessing, you get excited, you high five your neighbor, you, you slap three people and say, I, I receive it and all this kind of stuff. But if you're holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness and malice in your heart, you are blocking your blessing. You don't want to do this. The unforgiving servant faced severe consequences because he failed to forgive. Harboring unforgiveness in your heart can make your heart hard. It will make your heart hard towards God and towards other people. And, 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 and listen, I don't, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to give you a pass just because you got hurt in church. People say, oh, bro, Brother Pena, you don't understand. It was church hurt. And church hurt hurts a whole different kind of hurt. Okay, well, you got church hurt. How about we get some church healing? Because church healing can heal like a whole nother kind of healing. So stop talking about church hurt. Why don't you get some church healing? So with your heart can be healed. You got to let that stuff go. You got to open up your heart to the grace of God. You got to open up your heart to the, to the mercy of God. The same love, the same grace, the same mercy, the same forgiveness that was extended to you, towards you, you're supposed to extend it towards other people. Recipients of grace are called to be conduits of grace. Say amen to that. And so, so if God has given me the grace, the grace has come to me, it has to flow through me. If you hold on to it long enough, it's going to negatively impact every area of your life. In Mark chapter 11, we know Mark chapter 11. We love Mark chapter 11. The Bible says, have faith in God. Say, say have faith in God. Ricky, you know another translation say, say, it's the God kind of faith. What's that God kind of faith? Jesus walked up. Oh my God, I feel like preaching now. Let me just take a, a pause. I love me some Mark chapter 11. So one day, watch this. So they get up in the morning, right? And this is the day that the Holy Ghost already showed Jesus. This is the day you are about to clean out all the money changes from the sanctuary, from, from, from the temple. And so Jesus is like, I'm about to kick them jokers out. So he got up and he left Mary and Martha and Lazarus in Nahum's house. And he left their house without eating breakfast because he was focused. You know what I'm saying? And so, so he was focused. And he 
he was walking. And the Bible says that he saw a fig tree afar off, and he saw that it didn't have, uh, he got close to it. It was like, oh, snap, it has leaves, but it has no figs on it. And so he spoke nine words, Jesse. He said, no man shall eat fruit of thee hereafter forevermore. And the Bible says the disciples heard it. It, it doesn't say they overheard it. No, he wanted them to hear it. He wanted this to be an object lesson on faith. The Bible says that the disciples heard it. And so the, he walked, he spoke it. Nothing happened when he said it, but he wasn't moved by what he said. He was seeing with these eyes. He was moved by what he was seeing with these eyes, and he walked away like it was already done. 24 hours later, say the next day. The next day they start walking over. He was always staying at Bethany and Mary, Martha, Lazarus, Nim house. And so he's leaving their house again. And they start walking by the tree again. And this time Peter, I love me some Peter. Peter was always talking out of turn. Peter saw the tree and he was like, oh, snap. Peter was from Brooklyn. He said, oh, snap, Jesus. The tree is dried up from the roots just like you said. And then Jesus said, let me take this as an opportunity to teach you about faith. He said, come on, Peter, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. What kind of faith is that? The, the God kind of faith that can see in the spirit and, and then not be moved by what you see in the natural. And I'm going to say what I see in the spirit and not be moved by what I see in the natural. And I'm going to say what God said until I see what God said. And I'm going to declare what God said because he saw it 24 hours earlier. He saw it dried up from the roots. And so he said what he saw and he walked away like it was already done. He said, have faith in God. And if you have this kind of faith, you can say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, but you cannot doubt in your heart. And if you don't doubt in your heart, you're going to have whatsoever you say. Say amen to that. Amen. Say, I have what I say. Now, help me out. Y'all remember conjunction, junction? And the conjunctions function? Hooking up nouns and verbs? And so, so now, so after he said all of that, you're going to have whatsoever you say. And then he said, and when you stand praying, forgive. It's in the text. I don't even, I'm, it's in the text. He said, and when you stand praying, you better forgive. Because if you don't forgive, he says, my heavenly father is not going to forgive you. In other words, don't, don't think that you can have whatsoever you say, that you're going to decree and declare and it shall be established, that you're going to say that I'm going to call the end from the beginning, that I'm shaping my world with my words, but I hate my brother and my sister. No, he said that ain't going to work. Say this, I'm forgiving, I'm forgiving. And, I'm and I'm gracious. Oh, I need to learn how to do better. I, I, don't, want, I don't want my prayers to be hindered. I, I, in, in the prayer... The real Our Father prayer, the real Lord's prayer is John chapter 17. But in Matthew chapter 6, there's a prayer that people call the, the Lord's prayer, Our Father. In that, in that prayer, he says, forgive us as we forgive. I, it, it, you, you're not, you didn't even catch it. In that prayer, you, you even pray, Lord, I want you to, to treat me the way I treat other people. Lord, I want you to forgive me the way I forgive other people. Oh, but you don't forgive people. Oh, you hold on to grudges. Oh, so what are you saying when you pray that? Oh, my bad. No, you got to let it go. Say, I'm going to let it go. Say, I am forgiving and I am gracious. Is this helping somebody? All right, come on, give God some praise. Let's keep going. All right, I got to keep going. I got to keep going. All right, where we at? We're at number five. Jesus, we're at five. Lord have mercy. All right, number five. Forgiveness is a reflection of God's character. Remember, if we're saying as Jesus is, so are we in this world, then I got to represent 
Jesus in this world. When people come in contact with me, they're supposed to come in contact with God. When people come in contact with me, they're supposed to come in contact with the character of God. Now, the Word of God contains the character, the attributes, and the nature of God. So the more I study the Word of God, the better I get to know the God of the Word. And so I'm I'm getting to know Him through His Word. I'm getting to know Him through His Spirit. And I'm supposed to be developed to be more and more like him. Say amen to that. So forgiveness is an act of obedience so that I can be like God in this world. Forgiveness is demonstrating spiritual maturity. You got to be mature to forgive. You got to be, listen, if you, if you meet somebody that, that is looking down on everybody, very critical of everybody, talks about everybody, don't even wait. I mean, right there in the parking lot, just talking about people that they might be born again, but they're exposing to you that they're a baby Christian. Because the closer you get to God, the less you think of yourself. Let me say that again for the people in the back. The the closer you get to God, the less you think of yourself. You know that you're jacked up. And so if God is gracious towards you, you need to be gracious towards other people. Say amen to that. Forget this is challenging us to be emissaries and examples of Christ Jesus in this world. Number six, forgiveness puts you in a position to trust the sovereignty of God. Say this. Say, I trust the sovereignty of God. All right, let me explain. What do I mean by that? So, James, what I'm saying by that is that when I forgive, I'm saying I'm going to let God be God. I'm, I'm saying I am not the judge and jury. I'm saying it's not my job to get revenge. That, that the Lord is saying God is the God of justice and recompense. And so, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to let that person go for what they did for me. Lord, don't even, not on my behalf, God, you don't have to get them back. And I'm going to let it go. Now, what happens, that's between you and them. I'm going to let God be God. Right? And so, and my enemies be scattered. No, but I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to let God be God. And so whatever God does with them, whether he forgives them or whether he makes them pay for it, that's between them and God. Amen. That's not up to me. Amen. That is not your job. Your job is not to get them back. Your job is not to, to get revenge. Your, your job is, is, is to seek reconciliation, not retaliation. You can't link up when you're always trying to get people back. You can't link up when you're always trying to pay people back for what they did to you. Listen, let it go. It's not that serious. This is how I know, Sharita, it's not that serious. I learned a long time ago, their poison can't stop my purpose. So I'm not even going to sweat it. That's why when Jesus was on the cross, when Jesus was on the cross, he's looking down at people who who are yelling, crucify him, crucify him. And he's seeing some of the same faces that a few days ago were crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, putting down palm branches. And instead of saying, Father, call down fire, kill them all. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. People are talking about you. Come on, man. They don't even know what they're doing. If they knew who you were, they they would know better. If they knew who you were, they wouldn't have your name in their mouth. They don't understand the anointing that's on your life. So look, just extend mercy and grace towards them. Like if they knew better, they wouldn't be talking about Rick Pena. Lord, forgive them. They don't even know what they, first of all, first of all, they can't hurt me. Right? So I'm not even worrying about what they're saying because they can't hurt me. They can't stop. My success is not contingent upon their words. 
And, and no attack of the enemy has any power over me. And so, so a thousand can fall at my side, 10,000 at my, not going to happen to me. Only with my eyes shall I see the reward of the wicked. Why? I made the Lord, even the most high, my dwelling place and my habitation. I got Psalms 91 protection. You see what I'm saying? So I'm not worrying about that. And so if I'm not worrying about that, I can actually intercede for them in earnest. I can pray that God would bless them. God, help them. Because obviously their minds have been blinded because they're over here talking about me, talking about my wife. They don't even know us. So God, please forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. God, I pray that you, this is how we pray for people. This is the love of God, y'all. This, instead of me being mad that they said something, instead of being mad because she said something to my cousin and my cousin's friend had to put it on Facebook and then they called me and now they texting me and the devil is a lie. I'm about to put it in the family chat. What in the world? <laughs> Lord have mercy. No, that's not what you do. Say this, forgiveness and gracious. I am forgiving. I'm gracious. I love people. I'm here to connect with people. I'm here to build people. I listen, at the end of the day, I'm going to be very gracious towards other people. They don't know what they're doing. If they knew any better, they would leave me alone. Matter of fact, the more the devil attacks you, the greater he gets. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, had the princes of this world known what they were doing, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. When they crucified the Lord of glory, they were about to have a party. They was like, Jesus is going to the cross, and they were throwing a party. And the Bible says when the first drop of blood hit the ground, it sealed their fate. Had they known any better? Come on, man. Say this, the more the devil messes with me, the stronger I get. If the devil knew any better, he would just leave me alone. And so, so listen, you can't, so, but when you understand that, you can pray for people. You can forgive people. You can be gracious towards people. Say amen to that. All right. Uh, 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 and then, watch this. When I'm trusting in the sovereignty of God, I'm reminded of what Pastor Tony says all the time. God is the one who controls outcome. I'm not, I'm not trying to make the outcome. I'm going to let God control the outcome. Say amen to that. Number seven, forgiveness frees you. It's your path to personal freedom. Say this. Say forgiveness is for me. Say forgiveness is a gift I give myself. So forgiveness is freeing me, not the other person. Listen, listen. What, what I'm doing when I forgive, I'm letting go of the bitterness and the hatred and the malice that I was holding on to, and it actually frees me. When you forgive, that night you sleep so much better. You, you get to sleep. You didn't even realize that you were, be, you were losing sleep over the fact that you were holding on to something that you had to let go. Forgiveness, is in, it, it frees you from your, your internal self-imposed prison. You are living in a self-imposed prison when you're holding on to stuff. Say this, say, I let it go so I can lay hold of what God has for me next. In Matthew chapter 10, uh, let me just say this, where we at? Uh, this is number seven. All right. Uh, in Matthew chapter 10, no, this is eight. Uh, I'm almost done. Forgiveness helps you to reclaim your peace. Say this. Say, I will reclaim my peace. In Matthew chapter 10, I don't have time to read the whole thing, so let me just tell you the story. So in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is sending out a team of disciples, and he's sending them out to do ministry. Up until Matthew chapter 10, Jesus was the one that did all the ministry. And Matthew chapter 10 was the first time he sent them out. He said, you go lay hands on the sick, watch them recover. He said, you go cast out demons. He said, you lay hands on lepers. He said, you go raise the dead. 
And when you go, you can't take any money with you. Different story, nothing message for another day. I'm leaving the money alone. He said, you can't take no money with you. You got to trust God. But anyway, he said, when you go, you're going to stand before people. Uh, uh, you're going to be arrested, some of you. And when you get arrested, don't worry about what to say. At that point, you will be given what to say. Right? Say, God gives me the words. God performs the work. But then the text says this. You can look it up later. It's in Matthew chapter 10. The text says this, Florence. He says, when you go into a house, you pronounce peace and blessings on that house. If they receive you, you leave it there. If they don't, if they reject you, pick up your peace. It's in the text. Pick up your peace. Shake the dust off your sandals and keep stepping. Some of you have left your peace somewhere. Some of you had a conflict with somebody, whether it be your cousin, your auntie, your uncle, somebody in the church. You had a conflict and you left your peace there. And it's been years, and you keep, you're trying to worship, you're trying to move forward, but every once in a while, Tony, it keeps coming up. Pastor Tony asked a question when we was in Sons and Daughters. He asked a question a while back. He said, where have you left your peace? Listen, say this. Say, I'm going to go and get my peace back. You better go pick up your peace. You don't leave your peace nowhere. No, no. If they receive you. Blessing and peace. If they don't receive you, I pick up my peace and I'm going to keep stepping. What I'm not going to do is let you hold my peace hostage. I'm not, listen, there's some people are not going to like you. Get over it. Some people are not going to be your friend. Get over it. Some people, listen, some people are going to talk about you. Don't let them lock up your peace. Don't let them hold your peace hostage. Pick up your peace and keep stepping. Say amen to that. Say, I am forgiving and gracious. All right, number nine, I only got two more, and then we're out of here. Number nine, where we at with number nine? Uh, I got to let it go so I can move forward. Godly forgiveness does not mean that you have to make yourself susceptible to toxic relationships. Oh, I'm about to help somebody. Just because God called you to forgive doesn't mean that person is good for you. You have to forgive them, but you don't have to let them back into the same spot they had in your life. It takes divine discernment. It takes the discernment of the Holy Spirit to know where people fit in your life. You can forgive and you have to release them, but that doesn't mean that they have to have the same spot when they come back. So forgiveness, watch this, I have to let them go, but I also have to steward my own soul. I also have to be a good steward of my own peace. And so I, I need to pray about where people fit in my life, which leads me to my 10th and final point, the balance of forgiveness and boundaries. So you got to set boundaries. Say boundaries. When I set boundaries, it is a form of God's wisdom and self-care. So Jesus had different groups. Say groups. So Jesus, when it came down to the nitty-gritty, right, Sabrina? When it came down to the nitty-gritty, Jesus had three. Say three. Peter, James, and John. That, that was like his inner circle. Then beyond that, he had 12. Say 12. That's, that's like his permanent staff, his main team, right? Those were his boys, 12 of them. 
But sometimes he was only rolling with the three. So he had the three, then he had the 12. Now, there was another group that showed up almost every day. That was the 70, say the 70. Now, he poured into them, he loved them, but he didn't give them the same access as the 12, and he didn't give the 12 the same access as the three. Now, there was another group that was the 5,000, say the 5,000. Now, those people, people came in and out of that group, right? right people going to leave in and out of your life. And so there was people that was coming in and out of that group. And, and the 5,000, crowds would show up. Sometimes they were the same crowd. Sometimes they were not the same crowd. So that was a whole other level. And then beyond the 5,000, there were some people that opposed Jesus, that were against him. And he looked at them in love and said, my daddy and your daddy ain't the same daddy. Your dad is the devil. You know what I'm saying? And so, so you got to understand that some people, uh, not everybody who is with you is for you. And so there's different levels. There's different groups. You got to understand that you can't give everybody the same access. And just because somebody had one spot in your life doesn't mean they have to have that spot forever. You got to seek discernment. Now, they do something. They did something wrong to you, to your whole family. They destroyed the fellowship. You seek reconciliation. You're seeking peace. But you also need to seek God concerning where they fit. Maybe they used to be part of the 12. They need to be part of the 70. Maybe they should be out there with the 5,000. I don't know. And so, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to let them go. I'm going to forgive them. I'm not going to hold on to it. But I'm going to seek discernment concerning where they fit in my life because not everybody fits in my life. Everybody's not supposed to be in your life. Everybody doesn't fit. While you're supposed to love everybody and forgive everybody, you don't have to give access to everybody. You got to steward your own soul. I know I'm teaching better than you saying amen. You got to steward your own soul. You got to protect your own heart. You got to know who God has called you to be. And so that you want to connect with the right people. You want your Paul. You want your Barnabas. You want your Timothy. But what you don't want to do is put the wrong person in the wrong spot. And so, so you want to seek the Lord concerning, Lord, where do they fit? What, what, who am I giving access to my life? Not everybody's words matter. My mother used to say to me, déjame decirte algo, muchacho, las cosas se cogen de quien lo dicen. I was speaking in tongues. Let me give you the interpretation. He said, uh, you take things based on who said it. Not everybody's words matter. Somebody could come up to me today who I, who I don't know or I barely know and say, hey, man, uh, I didn't like what you said or I'm disappointed in your message. I'd be like, okay, uh, God bless you. <laughs> like, that don't matter. Now, if Pastor Tony texts me after church, says, son, I'm disappointed. Oh, man, I'll be crushed. I'll probably be crying for three days. You know what I'm saying? Now, what? But why? Because his words matter. To me, his words carry weight. I have given him the license to speak into my life. You can't give everybody the license to speak into your life. Everybody's words don't matter. So you got you to gotta weigh things. You got to link up, but you got to also know where they linking up at. Not everybody's linking up at the same level. And so, so I said a lot today, well, the Holy Ghost said a lot, that we covered a lot of ground today. And so I want you to search your own heart concerning some of the things that the Holy Spirit was dealing with you on. Now, listen, those of you that are watching at home, I want you to get ready to respond. Listen, if I had preached on healing, I would say, anybody that's sick, run down here. We're about to pray. But that's not what I preached on. I preached on forgiveness, and I preached on being gracious. If, you've been ho- if you need to let go of some stuff, if this message ministered to you, let's stand all over the building real quick.